Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. To another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for 2023. Some of us didn't think we we're gonna get here. Some of us, when they wake up in January, it's time to kind of go and find something else. And that could be a change in diet, it could be a change in exercise, it could be a change in location. For some people, it could be a change in job. Now in the board gaming space, there's a couple of places you can go if you want to change in job. What my guest today is one of the spearheads of, he's a person that actually helps other people potentially find jobs by putting the opportunities in front of them. And in fact, them themselves have recently tripped the light fantastic over from some place you could say where life was a bit old, forged from steam for them, where they're now moving from steam into ice. Well, not ice, frost, you could say. You could say this man, <laughs> he may be Cephla firm, but he's also always known as being Cephla Fair. It's the crowdfunding marketing manager from Cephla Fair Games. I've got Ross Thompson with me. <laughs> that is <laughs> the great opening. Dr. Seuss would be proud. <laughs> uh, green, e- green eggs and ham. Green eggs and ham all the way, baby. Green oh, that's what good. I'm talking Thank about. Thank you for the kind words there. I I mean, you have um you get a certain vibe out of certain people. And I follow you in a couple of different places, obviously on um and, and, and some strange you're one of these people I've I see on LinkedIn. Um I always see you as somebody who is um trying to do when people talk about community they actually, you know, there's one thing about creating a community, which is let's gather a group of people together and then let's have, you know, let me talk at them. And then there's people, there are people that say, I'm going to create a community and what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and help kind of other people. And you strike me, from not from your words, but from your actions as somebody who's actively going out and helping somebody. So I wanted to cover on a couple of things today. Um, let's do it. You've had... A quite, and this is interesting because rather than look at Board Game Geek, which is where I'm look, I'm actually looking on. It's linked LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm going on to LinkedIn because you've, I mean, you literally have been somebody who's been involved. You know, you've been involved in the industry for, in a professional way, for some time. Um, yeah, it's I mean, been obviously, about 12, 14 years, I think, roughly, yeah. right? So, yeah. I mean, all the way back from kind of like, you know, your days like with Soda Pop and Cool Me, Cool Mini or Not. Remember when they called Cool Mini or Not? And Before not just, they were Simon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I just call them, come on. Because every time I look at their highest pledge level, I'm just like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong on that. It's far too, uh-huh. it's far too. Um, Is it 
because normally when because pe- I see a lot of people kind of like in different kind of board game jobs and some of them are doing it on a kind of like a part-time basis from you from you being involved in the industry now for so long and I'm making you sound like you're like some kind of no, old okay, age okay. wizard or something like that have you seen the kind of the game space with regards to kind of like kind of job opportunities and stuff kind of like change within the kind of like the oh, last kind of 10 years totally right so like I got my start in the industry at Privateer Press and I came in as a volunteer. I worked mm. for them as a press ganger, yeah. right? Like Games Workshop used to have the Outrider program and everyone has their own ambassador program. And so, and I got, um, like I was, I had run, I'd started my convention, mm. right? I, I'd been volunteering for Private Press for a few years. I had, was uh, one year into running my own gaming convention and I had kind of done the circuit working yeah. shows for them. And my uh, first job I ended up getting was a retailer support um, specialist with right. your press, which at that point in time, they were in the middle of getting ready for Mark II. So I was helping out game stores organize in their tournaments and get support kits. And mm-hmm. they were in the middle of the public play test. So it was just listening to stores and their issues with, you know, hey, maybe you shouldn't do a public play test with models we're trying to sell right now, which is like a totally yeah. legit. So it was, it was that, right? And that was like, when you think of like what is an intro job into the industry, I I kind of hit a a nice beat because I'm like cool. I already work with game stores. I can already do this stuff, yeah. and I and it, that was a nice intro job to have. And um, there aren't a lot of jobs that are that kind of way anymore because not a lot of companies are really doing organized play on that grassroots level. Or when they yeah. are, it's just a side thing by a marketing person or a PR person or the salesperson. So I'm kind of lucky that I was able to, to get a job. I didn't last there super long. Uh, mm. I think I just, nah, I, I was there, my constitution and I, my brain space wasn't, uh, I had just moved. It was a whole thing. And then funny enough, me coming back down like a year later from Seattle ended up kind of kickstarting the rest of my career. Cause I ended up doing some side gigs for some other companies that way, but I wouldn't have been able to get that work without having done the convention circuit and yeah. then being active on social media and even just in like a, Hey, here's what I'm doing sort of way. So, uh, it's interesting when I look at the jobs that are available now, um, they're much more laid out Yeah. in, I mean, at, at big companies, right? Like when I look at like what games workshop is hiring for, who's hiring for an asthma day, yeah. they've got, you know, director and manager and associate specialist. And yeah. I think those are the kind of words that people should look for. Like if they're trying to get their foot in the door, a specialist and associate is relatively an entry level job, right? Yeah. And yeah. then when it gets into like manager and director, that's you need to have some experience behind you and do everything there. But um, I think one of the big shifts on getting your foot in the door has been that working for companies at a show or like running events for them at game stores. But the big shift has been is that a paid role or not? Yeah. I think sometimes the gaming industry likes to take advantage of people's want and desire to work in the industry so much so that we're like, oh, we'll pay you in product or we'll do these things. I mean, I had years where I would crash in a room with six other people and we'd all be working for a company, running yeah. their booth and doing their demos and then just get paid in lunch, a dinner, and then product at the end of it, yeah. right? Where now... That still happens, but that isn't the norm anymore, right? Most companies are yeah. 
paying you minimum wage and doing all of that, which is much better to learn if you want to go into the industry, if you can afford it, right? Like, because going to work for like Renegade Games or Pandasaurus or whoever else at a Gen Con and an Origins is a really good way to kind of get your foot in the door and be like, cool, I want to work in this industry or is that not for you? Did you find it then it was useful with you being involved as you were with Kingdom Con? Was it easier for you to, when it came to kind of jobs, was it nine times out of ten when you were looking for another opportunity? Was it a case that they were like, oh, Ross, how you doing? Have a seat. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was funny C- because... the CV at one side. You know, it's fine. How are you it, doing? You know. Yeah, it's funny because <clears throat> when I would apply or, you know, get interviews for stuff, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I've worked at this company. I've done yeah. this thing. And also, I, t- I run a convention here in San Diego that yeah. has all these things. And... and uh, I mean, that was always just one more thing to do, and so like it was, it was always that extra little bit. So my 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 resume, it only grew, right? So it's yeah. been interesting in in the places that I've worked at. I think the convention definitely helped, um, but if people are looking to add a convention type thing, even just doing like a once a year charity thing, or hey, I run an extra life thing, um, there's ways. There's lots of ways that people can get involved in the industry or running an event. And yeah. making like Kingdom Con was a business, right? And when I closed it down in 2019, um, you know, we had about 1,700 people that had been attending for years. I had a I had a crew and a staff of friends and that were co-employees and co-owners and runners and all that kind of stuff like that. And you know, and and ending it was tough because I think I had to. I, we were at a point where do I want to do this not full time, but like. If I dedicate a lot more time to this convention, it could have been one of the major shows on the circuit, yeah. but also that was never the intent of the show. So um, I'm kind of glad that it we got we got 10 years out of it, and then I didn't have to, you know. Did you have to put your foot down on it and say, right, this is getting beyond where I wanted it to actually be or where I'm comfortable with? Is that is that kind of where you totally. were looking? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I had I had so many friends that had been helping out since the beginning with it, mm-hmm. and it was it was not a Ross show. It was a everybody's coming together to make it happen. Kind of as you mentioned right at the beginning, like I like to bring people in. The convention grew because oh, we need RPGs. Cool, let's go find the guys that yeah. are running RPGs. We yeah. need more historical games. Great. Like San Diego is very blessed, and Southern California is very blessed. We have a very active tabletop gaming community. So because I wasn't such like an established convention with lots of baggage i'm like hey we have a ballroom we can get you another space you want to do a thing let's all come (laughs) in and do that but we were hitting a point where there were enough complications with the hotel with what the convention was we were about to grow from being a local convention to needing to get a lot bigger Uh so i was at a point where i was tired too i think i'd been traveling i mean I went through my entire twenties essentially running a gaming convention, right? So, um, being able to hit a point where I was like, "I'm good," and then we ended up dodging a bullet because 2020 yeah. uh, was COVID, right? Yeah. So we ended it on our <clears throat> terms. Yeah, I don't think we would have survived waiting two years through quarantine. Um, I didn't have the back money to fund a failed convention two years in a row because of COVID, right? Like, so. It was, we ended it. It was great. Everybody had a good time. Everybody pokes me now and goes, Hey, what's the plan? Yeah. And I've done some side, like I ran a thing with Comic-Con San Diego called D4 Yeah. Um, during quarantine. And that ended up being a big trade show thing. We did like 30 panels and 
special guest speakers, and I get to bring all these folk on and do that. And I know that they would love to do more too, but that's going to be under the Comic-Con banner and not under my banner, mm-hmm. which is also just fine, right? So, is Are you not ever kind of tempted to kind of say, okay, just a small one? Are you not tempted well, to say, we're going to have... Come on round to my house. You know, we're going to have 10 people It's very funny because I get people right? asking that. You're not wrong. Like, every now and then I have to go, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we just got everybody together for a weekend to play Twilight Imperium? Like, yeah. a big one. Yeah. Or we did a big 40K thing. So, like, when we, uh, right when quarantine ended and yeah. people could go out more, yeah. my buddies and I organized a big Warhammer weekend. And we had, like, 15 of us in an Airbnb. And I ended up making t-shirts. I got a model. I got a 3D printed and I made little journals for it, right? Of course you did. And everyone's like, Ross, not a convention, not a convention, not a convention. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But also like, look, we have this cool shirt now and a miniature exactly. and a whole thing. Isn't, isn't that rad? So, yeah. Has, okay. So has your career been, has your career been kind of more guided by the community side of things or has it been more guided by the actual board game side of things? Because looking at your career path, you can't have been more than, you know, they say that in New York, you're never more than eight feet away from a rat. So you can't have been in your career more than like eight feet away from like a cardboard box full of kind of gaming glory. I mean, well, but what I can, what kind of made you, because I mean, you, you moved from end of September, 2021. You went from USopoly to Steamforge. Now that's a lot of that's a lot of cardboard. With actually, some people might say it was a lot of plastic. So, but is your is your career decisions are they made over kind of like where can I go in terms of the community can that I can build the network I can build the contacts can I can build or are you looking going I could be optimized in these models. <laughs> I could it's have a bit of both, up. right? So it's. I working at the op was it was great. I was there for a, for a good long while, and yeah. they've got. I mean, I say good long while for me, but they've got people that have been there for twenty five plus years, right? That, yeah. that that company's been around for a long time, but uh, like they're local to San Diego, and getting to work in a getting to work in a at a company that's local for you is awesome. Um, but sometimes you you just I don't want to say bored isn't the right thing, but you get you get in a place where you're like, okay, I've kind of hit where I can be at. And I think maybe it's a millennial thing, right? Where it's like, where's where's my growth going to be in my career, yeah. right? And it's like, am I going to be able to be a manager or a director, or how is that path going to be? And and sometimes you just kind of get stuck. And um, I wasn't necessarily looking for a job, you know. And then Steamforge had reached out and was like, hey, what do you think about this this role? And I was like, oh man, like I love. I had met Matt and. Uh, locks um years ago at a, at a war machine weekend out in st louis mm-hmm. before they had run dark souls and they they had just getting going with uh with guild ball right and so i know they needed some trade help and then they were like hey we need somebody to do trade and we need somebody to uh bring our stuff to the u.s and i was like awesome i love doing that kind yeah. of thing <laughs> yeah um so yeah you know just being able to uh, come and do that was great. And their team is awesome. I loved being able to work for a UK company and mm. try that out. So like when you say like, do I follow the product or the community? Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to go work at a place that I don't trust, right? Like I like to w- w- have a, a banner 
but I can wave and be proud with it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a big thing for me. But even when I, even when I leave a company, you know, like I'd like to think I left it better than I found it. So, um, which is, but which is I, good, I mean, so. <clears throat> one thing I noticed, uh, um, Steamforge and the reason that we're, we're talking at all is that, um, I, I do remember it quite, and it, and, and I remember because it was quite, quite surprising was that you jumped on to one of the Facebook groups and you said, Hey, I'm from Steamforge and, you know, I'm interested in reaching out to some kind of like reviewers and stuff like that. And to be honest, that kind of thing was a major surprise, a very, very pleasant surprise to do that. And that I could see that, and you were, and you've, um, and th- and that was one of the things that was impressed with, and it wasn't, and I was, and and there was part of me that's obviously like, are you going to be looking for people that have got fifty thousand subscribers? Have you got guys that have got you know seventeen million people on their Twitter account and stuff like that? But my what kind of impress, and I says I've got to follow this guy and see what he's doing, was the fact that you seem to be like very very welcoming very very open and there was a definite kind of i could see that kind of the fostering it's like no no i'm just going to see what you guys can bring to the table and it was almost a case of i don't care if you've got like 20 followers or i don't care if you've got 20 subscribers if you're bringing something slightly different to the table that i can maybe work with that i can give you an opportunity um and that was kind of quite refreshing because people anyone that's been involved in the kind of the the kind of the media side of it know that there are certain kind of walls up and it's not maybe intentional and I understand especially from the board game kind of um, publisher community that if you you know um, if you put well I mean the board game reviewers and media thing every single time somebody puts a post up to say who's interested in reviewing my game it's almost like (laughs) there's literally like about 40 or 50 replies to the same thing but um you kind of started kind of fostering kind of this relationship, which was quite quite nice, quite refreshing. And then we kind of kind of talked from there. With that, did you was it was it was it a different take? Did you get different takes from what you got back in terms of content for the kind of the Steamforge products and things like that? I mean, if I put a so, couple of TikToks out there, for instance, you yeah, know. you did, yeah. It- it's so that group is a really cool resource, and uh, I've I've made some big posts like that a couple times, and um, um, I think it's been, I, I and thank you for the for the for the kind words on that, and it's in the board game review space, it's tough because not everybody's going to be a dice tower or yeah. uh or or a board game geek or even some of these top level influencers, right? And so everybody wants to know they're going to send a game out and it's going to go viral and do a thing, but that isn't the real world, right? No. And so everybody has their own time. They're able to dedicate to their channel. Everyone has their own reasons for what games they review and everything there. And I think one of the really cool things I've been very thankful for is getting to meet so many people in the reviewer community who are like, I am passionate about photography, or I'm passionate about mechanics reviews, or I'm passionate about this thing. And it's like, great, I've got all these games. Some are you know, yeah. uh, co-op based, some that are miniatures head to head, or we have this, you know, legacy campaign or this short little card game. Mm. What do you want to check out? And, you know, I'm, if you don't get, you know, a hundred thousand views in the first week, that's okay. You know, like 
because everybody's going to find this stuff. Kind of the things that I care about is, is the quality good? Mm-hmm. Did you actually play the game and did you care about it? And then where you're sharing your content afterwards. Yeah. Right. Cause those are things to me where it's like, if I send you a game and you play it, but not just once, but like you play it a few times and yeah. then take your time for a really cool review and you share your thoughts on it. And then it gets shared on your channel. It gets put in board game geek and then a couple other groups and things. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Like, and now, and now that's, that's all I can ask for. Right. Like, um, and that's, and that's part of that influencer marketing where it influencer marketing matters, right. And community marketing manager matters. And so it's just knowing that it's not that wide net. I think where it's like, okay, cool. If I have, if I have 30 copies, you know, everybody goes, Oh, there's this 15 people you're always going to send it to. It's like, well, sure. But at the same time, if every single game publisher is sending all their games to every single person yeah. on that top list, yeah. then no one else is going to get the chance to shine and do that. In the 10 years that I've been doing this, I've watched reviewers go from, oh, I'm a person with a YouTube channel to now being somebody that gets flown out by Asmodee to go lead a panel at PAX and then do a big yeah. thing or all this stuff and or and then take a break and have a kid and then do what else and then come back and it's like, that's that's the life of it, right? Like one person is not going to be your only, even Tom Vassell has a crew that he works with and people rotate through there and do all that depending on what they do. So um, being able to work with people and kind of figure out who's got strengths and who does stuff, especially right now, like with TikTok, you know, like that's a whole untapped, even though there's people that already have a million followers in these things, we're still getting yeah. into that. And now the government may shut it down. So like, that could be a whole thing to get into, right? So, you know, who who knows? And so it's just, it's interesting. And I'm I, I'm very happy to work. I mean, because we get to meet because I did a post like that yeah. and a whole thing there. And I think with quarantine too, we all got, you know, buttoned up in our spaces and we had to figure out who was doing stuff. One of the coolest things we got to see that I definitely was tracking was before quarantine, there were maybe 15 people that were streaming board games on Twitch. Yes. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't that many. No. Right. And then during quarantine and after now we have like a hundred <laughs> plus channels that are doing stuff on Twitch and YouTube that are like actively good. Like they're not just like, here's my OBS TV setup, And I have yeah. the weird camera angles. Like people have put in the work to get the stuff and do everything. Video games. We're just following the video game path. Yeah. It was yeah. already done years ago too. You know, and I wish more board. This is my like you're gonna hear me on my rant, right? I, I wish more I, board I'm, gamers. I'm here for this, Mister T. <laughs> yeah, I wish more board gamer streamers would like make the push to reach out to Razor and to Dell and to these things and trying to get that same audience that video gamers are, and not because hey, I'm gonna reach the same audience, but it's, I'm gonna reach a different audience, right? Because people that are watching the Twitch streamers for board games aren't watching the video game stuff, and so I think. That if we can tap into some of those things, there's a cross promotion there. That's and I know I've, I'm everybody's thinking about that kind of stuff, but it's the kind of things where I look at and it's like, okay, well, the YouTube channels that are doing well are doing well because of that. So like, one of the things I really enjoy is reaching out when it's time for a new game promotion and being like, cool, yeah. <clears throat> who do I want to pick? But I'm while well, I'm always going to pick certain channels. I ha- I love the ooh. What new channels have I seen something of them do on an Instagram post yeah. or a TikTok or a video? And I'm like, now I get to reach out to them and be like, hey, I love your stuff. Do you want to check out 
this thing. And now being at Cephafair, uh, what a blessing it is because Gloomhaven and Frosthaven are so well loved. Isaac and Price and BJ and have put in such a good work with the community that people love this game and this company. Yeah. So it's been really nice to kind of just step into this already house party going on. Everybody's having a good time. And now we get to figure out where we get to rock and roll. Is it? Because coming from Steamforge, where we're literally is a case you've got so many video game IPs, you've got you've not you've got the original stuff that they've done as well. You know your Bard songs, you've got all the Dark Souls IPs, and now you've got Elden Ring and everything like that. Is it kind of a diff? Is it is it kind of like a different approach? Is it a slightly strange for you now to be back to saying, oh well, we've got Frosthaven and we've got Gloomhaven. And that's kind of and the, and obviously there's there's founders of Gloomhaven Ross. Do we talk? Oh, I know. It's so <laughs> we talk about well, it's, founders of Gloomhaven. It's really it's really neat, right? Because I it's funny. Somebody else was yesterday was referring to me as the licensed board game guy, wow. and I'm like, how funny is that? Because I've worked at the Op and yeah. IDW and yeah. Steamforge, which are all like major IP holders for board game space. But like when I think about my personal roots i'm like okay like warhammer magic the gathering DD, stuff like that private your press stuff which is all like kind of original ip yeah it's neat when we look at all these big license game stuff like at steamforged we were able to tap into the dark souls community the horizon zero dawn community and then then after i left obviously they were able to get into the elden ring yeah. space but they've made the games that kind of embrace that that the same feeling on the tabletop, right? And so, like with RuneScape, when we did the RuneScape uh, Kickstarter, yeah, we I, we got to write in-game announcements for the video game, right? <laughs> so they were announcing the Kickstarter in the video game. That's cool. Like, how cool is that, right? So, I it's it's that weird boat where it's like at a certain point we're all gamers. Yeah. Right. Even though somebody is like a video gamer or a role play gamer or a board gamer, at a certain point the umbrella reaches over. So being able to come into a Cephal Affair where they already have people who have played Gloomhaven through like twice or three times with this one character and this character here, yeah. and now they're jumping into Frosthaven and like, you know, getting to do this. One of my major questions was like, you know, like kind of reading in on everything is oh how do we handle spoilers or how do we handle this and just diving really deep on how the community handles those things is just so cool and it kind of goes to show you that you know these some games are lifestyle games and some are just enjoy stuff so it's always kind of neat to see what the different communities for each company are i can't imagine anybody actively spoiling gloomhaven to be honest i think it's almost like um do you remember when The Force Awakened came out? And even though there was that huge, huge, and it's, you know, that huge thing with Mr. Solo, I still remember people kind of like refusing to kind of go out and kind of like talk about it. People kind of like, you know, and there's certain things that, there's certain kind of media and shows that kind of adopt that. You know, I don't remember. I mean, I've started watching um, and devouring Better Call Saul, but it's almost like people are like, it's not a case that people are standing there and going, 
you know he's he's going to become a bad lawyer or anything like that. You got to watch out for this bit here. And then this thing happens. People are sitting there and they just want to see. I'm sitting here passively and quietly, and I just want to see how you react. And I want to see if it, you react exactly the same way that I reacted. Enjoy the I journey see, as yeah, we go on, yeah. right? Totally right. And that's, I, I think a lot of our, I mean, we're going to get deep, but like a lot of our culture right now is absorbing these entertainment things, right? And how we do all that yeah. and everything there. Uh, I got to introduce my parents to... Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and Clone oh. Wars during quarantine, right? Because wow. we had watched Mandalorian and they were like, who are these characters? And I'm like, yeah. okay, because they were, they were in my pod. So I was going over on Sundays so we could you know, watch these things. And uh, I'm watching them get to like certain parts in Clone Wars where it's like major character reveals <laughs> or these things. And, just be, and like, because my parents are big nerds, right? So, yeah. but they just hadn't watched it before. And so getting to see them, oh, oh, and you're just like, when that, when that light goes on or the... Or the they started watching Game of Thrones, and I was like, "Oh, cool! Like, can't wait to see how that all goes, right?" And so I, I would get texts being like, "I can't believe this just happened!" Exactly. And it's like, "Right? Oh. They're having so. they're having a wedding, and one of them's yeah. wearing oh. chainmail. I hope nothing happens here. <laughs> I hope nothing happens, right? So that's so. I, but yeah, but with Gloomhaven, it's been just fine, and just seeing how the community embraces that has been really neat. Mm-hmm. Um. And as we go forward, it's going to be cool too because we're getting ready for this next big campaign. So, um, which is always fun. And uh, and what big uh, campaign would that be? Yeah, right. So <laughs> so at PAX Unplugged uh, for Self Affair, we, we announced that we're going to be doing the Gloomhaven RPG and Miniatures of Gloomhaven campaign on Backer Kit wow. in April. So um, so here's a question for you, and it's probably it's either going to sound stupid or it's going to sound and hopefully it's all back in the away in the past and this has all been sorted out but what system are you using for the for the gloomhaven rpg it's not uh, it's, it's going to be a gloomhaven proprietary system so wow so yeah. you know, you're avoiding any of this uh ogl kind of stuff well <laughs> i mean that's that's We'll wait and see what happens with. Well, I mean, we're not going to get into that conversation, but yeah, no. no. So we're we're definitely doing a uh, a Gloomhaven uh, uh, proprietary system. So. Oh, cool. Are you are you are you being part of kind of getting involved in that? Have you had your chance to get your your eyes over it and muck around with it? Are you? So one of the things that I do when I'm at a company, yeah, uh, is I try to see what's going on, yeah, and help out where I can. But it's not a priority priority for me, right? Yeah. Um. As a marketing person, I like my excitement to be genuine. Yeah. So I try to learn enough about the game to make sure I can speak to it and understand how to market. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to play it so much that I've already played it for when it's time for everybody to be excited, if that makes sense. Right? Oh, no, so, no. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's why I don't... Yeah. Why I do a little bit of research for people before they come on. I genuinely kind of just touch over it. So if I find out something right. about somebody at that time, then the surprise there is genuine as opposed to, well, I just know this, so I'm just acting anyway for this kind of thing. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So um, so with this so far, like, I mean, I'm only, a, I'm three weeks into the company so far and everything's remote. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, it's, it's, it's been fun. So we have a lot of really cool stuff in the works, which I'm really jazzed for. So um, I, I have come into the company at an exciting time. Is it kind of interesting because Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, they're essentially like, as Shut Up and Sit Down called them, elegant dungeon crawlers. I still remember that video. (laughs) 
where they were where Gloomhaven was called elegant and the, and then Paul Paul Dean turned up and said are we sure um is are you are you having to look at approaching this campaign slightly differently from the Frosthaven one are you looking at are you are you appealing to are you trying to appeal to people who are fans of Frosthaven who in Gloomhaven who might be interested in RPG or are you going to say like let's see what the RPG set kind of are going to think of this well without getting too much into it cuz I don't want to spoil anything, right? I know but that. I think one of the major things we're going to be looking for is is uh, it's going to be on backer kit, yeah. which I think is is different than uh, any previous campaign for Steph Affair. Everything has been on Kickstarter and everything yeah. there. Yeah. And uh, backer kit is a presents an opportunity to be a reinvention of the crowdfunding platform. Okay. Right. Like at the end of the day, we're going to people are going to be pledging for a product, and it's going to be a while until you get it and everything there, but. Um, it's going to be cool. You know, I, I, I think people know what Gloomhaven is and it's one of those games that kind of transcends, um, board gaming, yes. right? Like in a sense where it, video gamers play it, role play gamers play it, board game players yeah. know it, right? I, it's kind of like that, uh, Xerox or Catan sort of thing where it embodies, it is like when you think big dungeon crawl game. Gloomhaven is the one you think. Yeah, of, I mean it's right up. Right? There. I mean it's approaching kind of hero quest levels of notoriety now. I think it's one of these oh, yeah. games that people, if people saw it sitting in like a local kind of video game store, because video game stores seem to be selling board games now, that the people would go, "Oh yeah, Gloomhaven. Yeah, I know that. I've I, I've seen that. I've seen that spoken about and talked about and stuff like oh, that well, as well." Look about like when Jaws the Lion got into Target and it yeah. was like sold out that first week, right? Like it. It it go to show that you can sell a fifty dollar hobby game in Target, you know, so which is mind blowing still. <laughs> <laughs> um, circling back because I'm aware, yeah. I'm conscious we're we're on a we're on a t- we're on a time we have a budget of time. I would talk to you all day, um, but you've got a jo- you've got a job, and I just like to waste time. But one of the things you are involved in is the tabletop kind of jobs board. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who has been involved in the industry, I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'm going to say, if I was looking for a, if I'm looking for a job in the board game industry, what would be the top, say, three bits of advice that you would give to somebody who's considering a role within the tabletop industry, based on the jobs that you see and stuff like that? I would say, um, and first off, that that group is great. And if yes. anybody is looking for a job in the gaming industry, Jessica Fisher and I are are very happy that that group has become a resource. Yes. And if you're not on Facebook, if you go to the Gameosity website, which is her review site for board games, she has a whole job section where she posts those monthly as well. Mm-hmm. So you can find it all on there. Um, but I would say for the first piece of advice is actually think about what you want to do in the industry. Because I think too many people just want to work in board games and don't think about what job they actually want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go, oh, cool, yeah, I, I want to do marketing, I want to do product management, I want to do something. It's like, cool, well, actually think about that, right? Because as many jobs as there are in other industries and spaces, there are that with board games too, right? Someone has to do the product management. Someone has to do the shipping logistics. Someone has to do mm-hmm. accounting in HR, in graphic design. I know everybody wants to like be a graphic designer or be a game designer or be the person that talks on stream. 
but like that's only one small pie of all the jobs that have to happen to make a game go from the creation to the shelf. Yeah. So I think people should think about what they actually want to do. Cause I think a lot of the times I get hit up like Ross who's hiring. And I'm like, cool. I have to check out this group. And they're like, I'm like, what do you want to do? And they're like, oh, I just want to work in the industry. And I'm like, well, that doesn't help because there's all these. (laughs) Exactly. I want to work in a restaurant, Ross. It's like, well, do you want to be the chef? (laughs) Or do you want to be the maintenance guy? Or do you want to be the busman or the maitre d'. Yeah. So I think think that's really important to do. Hmm. Um, Second, I I would think is uh, everybody says like, oh, tailor your resume for these things and do this stuff. But at the same time, you have to start somewhere. And a lot of people that get into games come from other degrees, like in, in other fields. So it's okay to include the other fields that you've been in, yeah. but definitely include, like if you've worked a convention and you've run the game library at a convention for like five years, include that in there, right? If you've yeah. done <clears throat> some graphic design or you've done some play testing with some stuff, include that in there, right? Those are important things that like, People want to know that you're into the stuff. You don't have to have an encyclopedic memory of like every single D&D book ever, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's it's good to know that you have done something when you go to do that. Um, and then the second piece of advice, or third piece of advice I would give is take advantage of the opportunities of companies that are looking for booth workers and people to work shows. Yeah. Um, that's how I got my way in. I'm not saying it's the only way in. Yeah. But people are like, Hey, how do I meet people in the industry? And I'm like, man, go work a Gen Con for a company and you will see how they do it. You'll get to meet all the people that work there. Mm-hmm. Try to go to some of the, the after connection things and hang out and do that kind of stuff. But, um, if you can hop into that and just work a show or two, it gives you a really nice kind of snapshot at what that's like. I go to like 12 shows a year. Right. And if we have people that obviously we pay them and do all that, but we have, we have people that are working the booth and do that. And they want to get into the industry where it's like, cool. Like you awesome. If we've got somebody who's working hard and they want to do logistics and stuff like that, you know, yeah. we can introduce them around. And so I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's, it's a guaranteed way to get in, but at least like working a boot, a booth will give you a good opportunity of what it's like, who's there, who's doing stuff. And I know it's expensive to get out there and it's not for everybody, um, but that's a good way to do that. Cool. Finally, what's exciting you about games at the moment? Is there any games that you're playing at the moment that have got you excited, that you've been having a lot of fun with? Oh, sure. I mean, work-wise, I'm playing through Jaws of the Lion right now, Yeah. Um, which is which is a blast, and I've been playing with my D&D group. We're taking a break from D&D and playing Jaws of the Lion. That's been awesome. Right. Like I'd always know that Gloomhaven was really good. I've really enjoyed it. My whole group were big into it. I don't have to DM right now, so that's even better. Yeah. Because I can just hang out and play and do all that. So we're really enjoying Jaws of the Lion. And then I was at a board game day the other day with the Going Analog crew, and um, we got to run through a bunch of games and we played Flamecraft uh, by I've Cardboard heard, Alchemy. Yeah, I've heard a lot of that. It's adorable. Like you're <laughs> trying to find these dragons jobs in the fantasy marked so like oh this dragon should go work at the at the butcher shop or this dragon should go work at the potion it's just a cute little game it it could probably be a little longer um you know but the art's great the mechanics are fun and everything there so 
that's really good. And then like uh, I'm gearing up for Las Vegas Open right now, so I'm getting my 40k army ready. I'm not going to play any <laughs> tournaments that my friends are going to go out and do all that. So uh, I'll be playing some more Hammer. You know, you can take the you can. <laughs> You can take the paint out the game, <laughs> but you'll never take the game. I mean, I'm still going to go to miniature gaming tournaments and do all oh, that. I'm not, I'm not going to. It's funny because like I used to run war machine tournaments all the time and like be a pretty pro yeah. in that war, war machine scene. But then after I came back down, I'm like, I don't want to play in war gaming tournaments anymore. I just want to just play with my friends and have a good time. So <laughs> it sounds amazing. It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like 2023 is going to be an an interesting year not interesting times but an interesting year no matter what happens it sounds like it sounds like this year is going to be something to even consider putting a journal together for your good self um if people want to keep an eye on what ross gets up to during the year of 2023 where do you exist on the internet webs where can they find you so uh i'm on Facebook, I'm on at, at Ross Thompson. Feel free to add me or use that follow button. Yeah. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at almost Kirk, like the Star Trek. Yeah. Um I don't want to ask, but I'm guessing is it is it because you were almost Kirk or <laughs> uh it, it it's it, it's it was a gamer hashtag uh handle thing, right? Like so right. I'm just glad I didn't go with Beer Zerker. So <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so almost Kirk is that, and then I'm—I I mean, funny enough, you brought up LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn too. Yeah. Right. So, um, and I—I'm on LinkedIn every day. Um, it's interesting, right? Because everybody's like, "Oh, LinkedIn's for business," and I'm like, "Yeah, but like the toy and games industry and the hobby games industry, there's a lot of stuff that happens, and I love keeping up to date on what's in those spaces. And LinkedIn's a big part of that. So yeah. I find a lot of the jobs for the jobs group on LinkedIn. Right? Yeah. So yeah. Um. And they wouldn't be, they aren't posted anywhere else. So tabletop game companies are the worst at posting their own openings on their website. <laughs> like it's off. I, I could give a class, like a PhD level class on how game companies post it and the depths I have to go look for these openings. Um, and it's all my free time. And, you know, so I don't spend too much time on it, but like, oh, you know, sometimes I get an hour and I'm like, I'm just going to go do a deep dive. Right. So, yeah. And we're going to make sure that we put all of the links in the show notes so we have got notes to show. If you want to follow us, go to the internet web, search for We Are Not Wizards. You'll find us in all the worn-out places, uh, worn-out faces, bright and early for the daily races. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and on our main website where the podcast reside, which is wearenotwizards.com. You can also find it on We Are Not Wizards podcast.com but if you want to read our words then you can go to we're not wizards.blogspot.com or we're not wizards.co.uk if you like what you listen to tonight then consider going to the Apple podcasts full of Apple goodness um because it helps keep the doctor away and give us a rating or a review if you are going to be giving us a rating or a review um don't give us 10 stars because i know i'm lovely and adorable and you know highly entertaining but if you give me 10 stars it makes me really really big-headed at the same time do not give me one star because that will make me crash and burn, um, and you don't want to make me cry. Um, but give us something in the middle, like a five, because like that's average. And you know we are just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight, 
He's got the jaws. I wish you could see how jaw- big my smile is right now. <laughs> He's got that, the jaws yeah, that's, that's of well the rehearsed. job lying open. He's sticking his head right in there and he's searching out these jobs like, you know, like gold crowns in a lion's mouth. It's a rather wonderful, rather fantastic Ross Thompson. Thank you very, very much for being on the show, Ross. I appreciate it. Thank you for time. having me on. I really appreciate it. Okay, and I, I, I'm really glad that we can do this, and uh, and thanks for having me on, man. I've got one more question. Okay. Now, remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Ross? Oh, uh, yes, we are. Of course we oh are. Oh, my God. You've just ruined everything. Oh, we're not. Oh, sorry. Oh, you've just we are not it. wizards. You've just ruined it. Sorry. Just ruined it. That's the podcast. Just ruined it. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the last minute disappointment. The man who made me cry. Um, I'm going to be like looking through the window like Joey, the episode of Friends when the rain's pouring down the window pane. That's going to be me. Um, so it's a goodbye from Ross. Say goodbye, Ross. Goodbye, everybody. And we're, that's right. We're not wizards. We're not wizards. Wrecked it. Wrecked it. Last, <laughs> last hurdle. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Um, make something awful. And, um, you know, um, I, I was going to be in Happy Haven, but it turns out I'm in Gloomhaven. But until the next time, goodbye. <laughs> Wizard is never linked. He arrives precisely when he means to.